to the Unapologetically Me podcast with your host, Ian White, life fulfillment coach who helps people get out of their own way so they can live the life they were meant to. Welcome, everybody, to the Unapologetically Me podcast. My name is Ian White, your life fulfillment coach and the president of Coaching Deconstructed. And I help people to do what they love to do, to find their path, to get on that path, and to help other people to live better lives. So I love working with other coaches, other people who want to be of assistance and help in people living better lives and to bring out their fullest potential. And in my last episode, the shortest episode ever, I promise I won't put out another one that short again. But I was looking for ideas on how to help people. So I basically just threw it out there as to why people get stuck. And if you're not following your passion, why aren't you doing that? And the question that I got was around the idea of why, I mean, I was passionate about this before, what happened? I don't feel like I have that passion behind my work anymore. And there's, I've got a bunch of different reasons why this is. And uh, I'm going to cover several different topics, and I hope this is concise enough uh, for you guys to digest. And if it's not, or if you have questions, or if, Something in the next, however long this is going to take, um, inspires you to ask another question, a follow-up question. Send those questions to info at coachian.com. So why do we lose the passion for our work? Well, there's a few different things going on. So I have the lens of life concept, which I've talked about before, which I'll dive into. We have this fantasization of what we think our life will be like when we do this thing we have we haven't been taught how to follow our passions um, and the the last thing that I want to talk about is cultural expectations so the lens of life in a nutshell is this we are basically programmed by our parents to think like them to like what they like to f- follow pursuits based on their insecurities and their way of of looking at life because we were immersed in how they lived their life and they projected onto us their beliefs on life and what was possible or what was logical or what was the right thing to do. And we take all of that information in as as young babies and and, uh, young, young people learning about the world and that's how we make our decisions as we grow up. So if I use myself as an example in this lens of life, when I grew up, I was challenged with learning. I was challenged with um, like learning language and, and that kind of thing. And when I stumbled upon architecture, it was something that came really easily to me. It was drawings, it was dimensions, it was shapes, it was... 
uh, how things go together. It was, it was kind of a mechanical mind and it all made sense to me. And when I did really well in this area of my life, I got recognition. Recognition that I wasn't getting when I was younger, um, just the way my parents kind of uh, gave their love to me, that's when I felt it. That's when I thought I was onto something. When, when I loved or when I was receiving recognition, it felt like I was getting love from my parents. So I pursued architecture. Uh, they also encouraged me to go down that, that road because it made logical sense to them and practical sense to them that I follow a path that used, um, used my mind in that way because that's something I excelled at. So when I went down that road and I became unsatisfied with that kind of work at some point in time, I followed the next logical progression based on my lens of life, based on my decision-making abilities. I, I went into property management and that was another set of challenges and it felt good for a little while but it, it didn't sustain me. And it's because I wasn't on my path. I was on a path that was designed for me to be successful based on somebody else's ideas of what would make me happy. And it wasn't until I continued down that path, I, I, every couple of years I would change jobs, I would move up the corporate ladder a little bit more, hoping to be satisfied. And I never was. And it took some major life-altering um, hits <laughs> um, uh, for me to start to look at myself in a different way, to notice that these beliefs that I've, I had grown up with didn't serve me. They were my, my parents' ideas of what would be successful or how I should proceed with life. So I uncovered a lot of different things about myself. I uncovered when I was 24, 25 years old that I was dyslexic. And that was the reason why I gravitated to certain ways of learning. And that meant that I wasn't smart. So I kind of smashed through that, that glass ceiling of mine that I thought I wasn't smart. And I had to smash through all kinds of other glass ceilings with regards to the way I felt and thought about things, what a, what a logical career would be, what a good fit career would be, what a satisfying work would look like. I had to uncover my own worthiness about what, what I was bringing to the world and that it was of value. And I attracted in all kinds of different things in my life based on my belief system growing up. I even attracted in a, a, a wife at one point in time that wasn't a good fit for me because I didn't believe I was good enough and that I should settle for what I could get for lack of a better term. So I followed my path based on the ideas of my parents and it got me to a point that made me have to look at everything in my life. So that's the first challenge, is following somebody else's path for you. So if you do that, you're likely not going to, unless you won the lottery and your parents had um, some sort of magic look into you to know exactly what was going to make you happy and you followed that. So that's, that's definitely the first thing that I would speak to if you feel like you've lost passion. You may not have gone into the right field to begin with. 
Now, I'm not saying that there aren't good aspects of that kind of work. There was a lot of things I really liked about it. I liked drawing. I liked creating. Um, but it, overall, wasn't a good fit. The second thing I want to emphasize is when we fantasize about what we think the result will look like. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a, a secret. I don't think I've told a lot of people this. But when I was uh, when I had gone through my kind of crisis um, mode in my life and having to reevaluate everything, I decided I wanted to be a professional golfer. And I started taking a ton of lessons. I started getting new clubs. I started going into competitions because I was really passionate about the sport. I felt really good while I was doing it. I was excited to get out into nature and to see all this beautiful stuff. And I fantasized what it would be like to be a pro golfer and how amazing it would be to make all this money and to you know be in a competitive sport for a, for a living and how how that notoriety would be great all this recognition that I would receive and I fantasized I built it up into something that I thought it would be and it wasn't very long into my ambition that I realized how much work it was and when I started doing uh, local competitions, amateur competitions competitions in golf, I realized how hard it was and how lucky things needed to, to be for things to work out and how, how it took a lot of effort for a little bit of progress. And I started to not enjoy myself anymore. I started to put a lot of pressure on myself every shot that I would take. And when that would happen, I would be even more unhappy. So all the things that I loved about golf became all focused on shooting a good score. And I realized that golf wasn't going to satisfy what I thought it was going to be. And when I realized that how, how my life would change, because I never really put myself in the end space of the technical aspects of living that kind of lifestyle, of, of living in hotels and being away from family. And every shot, meaning a dollar or less in the bank, uh, having to be in the, the top you know, few people every tournament in order to make a living at this. How much pressure that would put on me. And if I'm challenged with being happy at a local golf tournament shooting 85 or whatever it is that I was shooting that day. Imagine what that pressure would be like if I had to I had to shoot a 70 in order to make enough money to put food on the table or to pay for the flight or to pay for the clubs. It put on so much pressure that I had never realized how I hadn't put myself out into that position and the more I got ingrained in that idea the harder or, or the the less excited I was about the potential journey so I stopped doing that and I actually started having more fun after I let go of that dream because I started to enjoy myself on the golf course I started to have fun with my buddies again um, and I didn't worry about the shot that went into the next fairway I didn't worry if I, I hit a bad score or had a bad hole so I guess my lesson for that particular item of when we fantasize out what we think life would be like is we can't know 
what we don't what we don't know until we know it meaning sometimes you need to experience what that line of work or that uh, what that avenue is a little bit to learn enough information to make a informed decision and that can go for relationships as well you know I'm, I'm sure you've all had the experience where you had an amazing date with somebody and you're already planning the wedding like this is the perfect person we get along in so many different areas and oh my god this is so amazing and oh but then when you see them on a bad day holy crap if you had met them on the bad day would you ever have would you have ever hooked up in the first place so we fantasize out sometimes the third thing I want to bring up with regards to following our passions is that we're not really taught, we're not taught in school how to sort this stuff out for ourselves, how to follow our instincts, how to follow our intuition, follow our gut. We're told that we should use our brain, we should be logical, we should use reasoning. And that can get us in trouble, especially when that reasoning is based on likely our ideas of our parents and what they thought was possible. So I have what we what, what I like to call our inner guidance system that is always always with us, always there to support us, always there to give us some information in order for us to follow our path, to make good decisions for ourselves. Um, it's that you know voice in the back of your head that says you shouldn't lift that weight or you shouldn't go on a date with this person or you better get away from this guy on the street who you think might be chasing you, right? You need to learn to how to tap into that, that voice, that knowingness that's inside of you. And we're not taught this in school. Um, and... Because we're often following the ideas and the ideals of our, of our parents, um, we ignore all the instinctual stuff that's going on inside of us. But our guidance system is still with us. It's still there to help us understand if we're making good decisions or not. And if we ignore it long enough, it will manifest physically. You'll have uh, manifestations or, or physical symptoms in your body and in your mind. You'll get sick, you'll have breakdown, um, mental breakdown, body breakdown, or you'll get obstacles thrown in your path that make things really hard. Or you'll become really frustrated with things, which you know gives you stress, and then that stress turns into physical manifestation as well. So these are put on our path as well to help us guide us in a direction that feels better. Uh, I've said this on many podcasts uh, going back for uh, almost a year, year and a half, that there's nothing more important in this world than the way that you feel. So follow what feels good. Frustration is just there to help us make better decisions. It, frustration is just there to help us identify what's working and what's not working. And the fourth item that I want to talk about with regard to passions and and following your passion is cultural expectations so we often get told 
and this is kind of like an extension of the lens of life, like the way our parents think, but this is culturally. So now we have a group of people who think a certain way. And we'll hear messages like this and they'll get ingrained in our brain like, um, you know, the seven-year itch in a marriage or in a relationship. And that's, that's the cutoff for when you, you know, know if you're going to make it in that relationship or not. Or, you know, this particular line of work is going to take you 10 years. And then once you hit that 10 years, then, then you'll be okay. For me, when I, uh, when I quit this, um, when I quit my, my day job to do coaching, I was told by a lot of people, it takes three years for your business to take off. And it, it's like it sets an expectation in our lives that will keep us from succeeding faster because we think that that's the truth. We believe that that's the truth and we look for proof all the time to validate that truth. But it's really a lot of BS. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and that becomes the thing we look to because that's what society says is normal. Which is a little funny because my coaching practice hasn't been as um, financially fruitful as I would have liked up to now. But I'm getting really close to that three-year mark. And it's been kind of in the back of my head for, um, for at least the last year and a half because I had a lot of people tell me, don't worry, it takes three years, it takes three years, it takes three years. So there's a cultural expectation that this is what it takes and this is how long it takes. Unfortunately, that keeps your ability to manifest in something better, something unexpected, when your expectation is that it's going to take three years. So knowing what you know now, that when we start off our life, we're given a kind of like a, a path by our parents to, to follow. And when we follow someone else's path, it can lead to challenges because it's their path. We may have gone down a path that didn't serve us. But what I want to get across to you is that it's not over. You still have an opportunity to course correct your life and to follow your real passion for life. So if you get to that point where you're wondering what the hell happened, um, you know, life didn't turn out the way I thought, and I'm no longer really passionate about my work, I'd like you to stop and ask yourself some questions. Why did I go into this profession in the first place? What did I expect to happen in this work? So get, get a feel for the expectations or, or what feeling you thought you were going to have when you got there or what, what you would end up having uh, as far as money or expectations. And did that materialize? And ask yourself, where did I get these expectations? Is, was this drilled into me from when I was young? Or did I truly have an interest in, in helping people or doing this or being a golfer or whatever? What was your expectation? Did you fantasize about what those results would be? And then ask yourself, is this something I still want to do? And if not... What would you do if money weren't an issue? And, and feel free to pause this recording or go back and forth to answer these questions. 
But I would strongly encourage that you, you ask yourself these questions. And once you decide what, it, what you would do if money weren't an issue, what steps could you take now to find out more? One thing I want you to spend a lot of attention, uh, pay a lot of attention to is where is your attention drawn? What interests you? What, what excites you? What, what, would, what would get you kind of really turned on to follow a different path? And get more info on that. What is that job really like? What is it? Try to, try to find somebody who's doing this who really loves their work and find out what's the real story behind the story. Is it everything it's cracked up to be? And if it's really something that you really believe you want to do and you can kind of feel it in your bones that that's the thing or that's the direction you want to take your life, what are some small steps you could take now to incorporate that work or that idea or the information you need to get or the training or the learning that you think would help you to succeed in that area? And once you start doing things towards your passion, your trail's going to light up for you one step at a time. Things are going to open up. Ideas are going to come to you. People are going to start showing up. But you have to have an expectation that everything is working out for you and that you'll get there. Provided you follow that curiosity and trust, start trusting your instincts. So I know I've laid a lot out on the table here. We've talked about your lens of life, how you've been programmed by your parents. We've talked about kind of the culture of, of and the expectations in your culture that kind of set out boundaries for yourself as to what's possible. We've talked about physical manifestations when we don't listen to our intuition and we ignore it too long. And we've talked about how we fantasize out what life would be like when we got there so like i said there's a lot here to unpack a lot of things to absorb and if you have questions on any of the things that i've said please send them my way it will inspire more in-depth content better programs better ways for me to help serve you in taking the leap from what you do to doing what you love to do uh, so that you can start, you know, being happier, living more joyfully, and really living the life that you were meant to. So until next time, everybody, have a great week or so, and we will talk soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Unapologetically Me podcast with Ian White, Life Fulfillment Coach. 